Hey, good morning, Journey. Uh, in April of this year, I had the opportunity to spend a Sunday at Life Point Church in Fredericksburg, Virginia. Um, Life Point is a church that has coached us and mentored us since the very beginning. Pastor Daniel Floyd is one of the greatest communicators on planet Earth. Uh, and when he preached that Sunday, he preached a message on James chapter 3 that was one of the most powerful messages I've ever heard. As a husband, uh, as a father, and as a leader, it really got my attention. And I leaned over to Danielle at the end of the message, uh, and I said, I'm going to go home and preach this to our church. Uh, and she kind of laughed, and she said, you ought to have Pastor Daniel come preach it to our church. So after the service, we had lunch with he and his team. They've just moved in a building, so they were coaching us on how to get ready to lead our church into a building. And I asked him if he could come and deliver that message to our church because of how much it impacted my life. And he wasn't able to this summer, but I knew that I had this Sunday in the schedule uh, where we could have a guest come and preach. So I asked him if it would be okay to deliver that message um, through web streaming today, and he said absolutely. So today, you're going to hear a message that deeply impacted my life and that I've not been able to get off my heart um, knowing that our church needs to hear it. So Pastor Daniel's taped a little intro for us uh, to just say hello to our church, and then he's going to talk to you today about the power of the tongue, and I pray this message impacts you the way that it impacted me. I uh, hope you all have a great Sunday, and I look forward to seeing you next weekend. Anybody ever notice how that some people have more words, if you do, raise your hand, some people have more words than other people? Like they just seem like they got to get through more words in the day? Like some people have a higher word count, like they've just, they've just got to talk a lot more than other people. I'm a low word count person, I use all my words on the weekend. Between all the preaching, I, use, I get through all my words. I don't need to use many during the week, just a select few. But some people have a large word count, right? Like they need to, they need to use a lot of words. And what happens is you, if you have a low word count, you usually end up beside the person with a high word count. Do you not? This is what happens to me. I can be, um, I'm not saying like in church or on a Sunday, you know. I'm just saying like out, out somewhere. Like I'll be out in town or, you know, let's take flying for an example. Like... For some reason, like, I don't know if I've got a sign on my head that I can't see or if, you know, if I'm just a magnet to people with high word, they must see me and go, he doesn't need to talk a lot and I do, I'll sit beside him. <laughs> and they can be at the gate, you know, like everybody knows there's like this code, this unspoken code that when you're at the gate, you don't talk to people you don't know. You sit down, you get out your phone, you waste time on Facebook and you don't talk to people you don't know. Does anybody know this? If you don't, now you know. Some of you are like, I had no idea. You're the person. You're the person that talked. But it's like, it's like they just have so many words they've got to get out. And so they sit down beside you and it's like they're about to bust, you know. If, if you're a parent, you have kids and, you know, like you can be on a road trip and these little bladders, they, they got to go. Like they need to stop at the potty, right? And they're just about to burst. And this is the way I think some people with high word counts are. They're just like, I need to find someone to talk to. Right. And so they sit down beside me and they'll be like, hey, how are you doing? I'm like, I'm doing good. How are you? And what they don't understand is that how are you part is just a polite response, not a real indication that I want to know. <laughs> don't look at me so spiritual. And so they're like, oh, well, he wants to know how I'm doing. So then the conversation begins. Well, I'm doing pretty good. You know, the weather's nice. And I'm on this flight because my one last night got canceled. But they put me up in a nice hotel, and that was kind of nice. But it made me late for this. And then, we, you know, and then they go on and on. And then they're like, and then I got this purse. And this. I'm not saying only ladies have wide word counts. I'm just saying this happened. <laughs> this happens to go down this way sometimes. You know, and then at the end of it, I need a nap because I'm emotionally exhausted. 
And I didn't say a word. I just kind of nodded and smiled, you know, because we all, we all, but here's the reality is that whether um, you use a lot of words or, or you use very few words, we all communicate, right? We all communicate. The reality is I found this, we all communicate all the time, that we're all communicating all the time. Like I'm communicating right now and that's kind of obvious because I'm talking and I have the mic, but you're communicating too. You're communicating. You communicate in your body language. You communicate with your eyes. You know, we all communicate all the time. We're all communicating all the time. And here's what I know about relationships is that communication, I think, could quite possibly be the most critical component of healthy relationships. Some people would maybe say, no, it's love. And I would say, well, love can't be expressed unless you know how to communicate well. Not just verbally, but non-verbally. So maybe it is that communication is the most critical component of healthy and successful relationships. You know, it's with communication that you can move a relationship forward, right? You can go from, hey, what's up, to, hey, why don't we get married? You know, you had to move the relationship forward with a lot of communication, right? Communication is critical. You can move a relationship backwards like light years with bad communication, can you not? You can say like such encouraging things with the words that flow out of our mouth, but you can say such hurtful things at the same time. Communication is critical. You've heard the phrase, right? Sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That's the dumbest thing ever. Is it not? Is that not the stupidest thing you've ever heard? Because we all know the reality that words can hurt. They can damage you. Some of you, you've been on the receiving end of hurtful words in your life. You've been on the receiving end of, of someone you loved or maybe even of a parent or maybe a teacher, a professor that said something that, that etched its way into your heart and into your soul. And it, it plays as a recording that's on repeat in the back of your mind. And every time you step into a relationship, that recording can become louder than anything else in your life. And every time you want to take a step of faith, maybe that recording begins to play loudly in your mind. And anytime you want to take a risk or, or anytime you feel like God's calling you to something great or anytime there's a great opportunity, it seems like life sabotages you because there is this recording playing that seems so much louder than all the other voices in your life, no matter how positive they may be. But isn't it true, too, that we've, we've all, all of us, been on the giving end of those hurtful words? Isn't that true? Isn't it true that we've said stuff that we're like, oh, if I could only get that back. If I could redo that, I would have said it this way. Isn't it true that we've all said things and the moment it came out of our mouth, we were like, oh, come back, come back. I need that word back. Isn't it true that we've all said hurtful things? We've all received hurtful things. And so words are powerful. Somebody say powerful. powerful. Words are powerful and the things we communicate are powerful. And so if we're going to have healthy and we're going to have successful relationships, we've got to learn how to communicate well. And the reality is, is that most of us, the foundational part of how we communicate is really just based on feelings, is it not? If we feel angry, then that's kind of what we communicate. If we feel loving, then that's how we communicate. If we feel kind of like, eh, kind of blah, then that's kind of how we communicate. We communicate based on Feelings, and as we said about love last week, that, that feelings can't be the foundation 
of love, I would say this too, that feelings can't be the foundation of our communication in the relationships that we're in. We can't communicate on the the foundation of feelings. There has to be something greater from which our communication flows. And so I want to work from this phrase this week. If you have a pen, write this down. Um, If you don't usually take notes, write this down. Type it down. Here it is. What I say or what I speak, the words that come out of my mouth, should reflect who I am over what I feel. So instead of my communication flowing from a place of what I feel, it should flow from a place of who I am. I need you to hang with me because that's going to make more sense at the end. If you're with me, say amen. amen. So what I say should reflect who I am, not what I feel. Not what I feel. And so I want us to look at the book of James, James chapter 3, because James has some great things to say about communication and about talking and about how critical this is in our lives and gives us some great insight. And then I'm going to give you four things that I think we should be saying, and then I'm going to wrap it up and um, put a bow on it, and you're going to love it, and you're going to take it home, and you're all going to apply it. That's every preacher's dream. You're all going to apply it. You're all life. You're going to be, you're, you're not very encouraging. Let's go. James chapter 3, verse 1 says this, Not many of you should presume to be teachers, my brothers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. So no pressure on me each week, right? That um, I'll stand before God, get a stricter judgment than you. We all stumble in many ways. If you know that's true, say amen. amen. We all stumble. If you're here and you're like, No, I'm, I'm a perfect Christian. You're a fool. We all stumble in many ways ways we all none of us have got it together none of us have figured it out if you thought you'd come to the church that had it all figured out then you're wrong because it's led by someone that hasn't got it all figured out we all stumble in many ways all right if if James is like if there was this possibility if anyone is never at fault in what he says somebody say that word says if he is a perfect man he's a perfect man and able to keep his whole body in check. This is a powerful verse. Think about it for a minute with me. Just like, get your mind into that. If a man is never at fault, because we all stumble, he kind of sets this header up that we all know, we all stumble, we all mess up in many ways. But if a man could control what he says, then he's a perfect man, and he could control the rest of his body. He could discipline everything in his body. In other words, James is like, if you could control your tongue, you could also have the figure you want. Think about it. You could have the discipline to control what goes in your mouth and the exercise that you do. You would actually get up. Remember those resolutions you made in January? Yeah, that one. I know it took you a moment to remember. He's saying saying the tongue is so powerful is what he's trying to get across to us. That the tongue, the words we say are so powerful. This little piece of our body is so powerful that if you could wrangle that thing then you could wrangle in the rest of your body. You could discipline the other passions of your life if you could get a hold of that. And then he gives us some analogies to kind of unpack this this verse for us a little bit more. Check this out. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Verse, oops, verse four. Or take ships, not little boats, but ships as an example. Although 
they are so large and are driven by strong winds, even though a strong wind can drive a ship, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants it to go. Something very small is controlling something very large. The tongue is small. It controls the whole body. James continues to unpack this. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boast. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. That's analogy number three. Small spark, great fire. Little bit controls a big horse. Little rudder controls a major ship. The tongue is small. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person and sets the whole course of his life on fire and is itself set on fire by hell. God bless you. Be encouraged. Have a great week. (laughs) It's like, wow, thanks, James. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and creatures of the sea are being tamed and have been tamed by man. It's important to remember. But no man can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. Dang. That's a strong passage, right? No man control the tongue. So he says, verse 2, he says... If you can control what you say, if you can control what comes out of your mouth, you can, you can discipline the rest of your body. He's trying to tell us how powerful our words are, how powerful our tongue is. And then he gives us three examples, right? If you put the little bit into the mouth of a horse, you can steer this massive, strong animal. This little piece of metal, even a wild horse, you can tame down to the point that you can ride it and control it with this little piece of of metal. And then he says, consider a ship, although winds can blow it around in the sea, that small rudders allow the pilot to steer it wherever that pilot wants it to go. Then he says, consider a small spark. It can set a whole forest on fire. And he says, the tongue is just like this. The tongue has the ability to direct the course of your life. The tongue has the ability to set things on fire. Is that not true? Is that not true in our lives? Does does the tongue not have the ability to set the course of our lives? Has it not been your words that have put things in motion, that have caused events to happen in your life, that have set the course and some of the destiny of your life? Is it not so true? Is it not true that your tongue can set a forest on fire? Is it not true that some drama in your life is because you couldn't keep this closed? Come on, somebody. Is it not true that there is some drama that you're dealing with right now that you think, dear God, if I'd have kept my mouth shut, I would not be in the middle of the drama that I am in. James is telling the truth, is he not? And he says that we've tamed a lot of things and we're learning to tame more things, but it's hard to get a hold of this thing called the tongue. But then on the other hand, if I'm going to have healthy and successful relationships in my life, then I've got to learn to communicate well. I've got to learn that what comes out of my mouth is powerful. And so the words I speak have got to be words that move the relationship forward, that bring health to the relationship, not damage the relationship. And so if that's true, then what things should be coming out of my mouth? 
If my mouth and the words I speak set, can set the course and direction of my relationships, if the words that I speak can set a relationship on fire and create drama that I never wanted to deal with, then what are the words that I should be speaking that set me in the right course that don't create the drama and that help me have successful and healthy relationships? I want to give you four things. Four things. Somebody say four. 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 Write these down. Tattoo them on your arm. Write them in your phone. Write them on your neighbor's arm. What do you got to do? Four things. Number one is this. These are the words that should come out of my mouth. I should speak words that solve not to win. I should speak to solve not to win. Speak to solve not to win. How many of you know that so often in our relationships we speak to win not to solve? Come on somebody. We get in, in, in intense conversation, heated fellowship. Somebody's like, no, it's fights up in my house. It's just straight up fight. Right? We get in these conversations and what is it? We seek to win the argument, not solve the problem. At some point in the conversation, we move even beyond knowing what the problem is. We've, we've already forgot about the problem. We've already forgot about the issue that started the thing. Now we're so focused on winning. We're so focused on getting our point across. We're so focused on proving the other person wrong that we're not even worried about, um, you know, a solution. We don't even know what we were fighting about. We've moved to the place of, I'm just going to win. I'm going to prove my point. You're going to be wrong. I'm going to be right. And that'll be the end of it. And I'll walk away champion with my foot on your head. Right? We seek to win, not to solve. And man, isn't this what the enemy does in our relationships, right? He he will seek to get something in between us that will divide us. And then we like playing tennis, volley back and forth our comments. Well, if you hadn't, Well, if you'd not done that, and we bring out the ammo from years past, well, remember the first year of marriage when you're a mom? Then we bring mom into it. (laughs) That's the lowest of the low when you bring, well, if your mom hadn't, uh, right? And what happens is there's a divide in between us, and so now we're fighting to win, not to solve the issue. We're not seeking any kind of solution that moves us forward together. We're seeking to win. But let me ask you this. If in a relationship you are on the same team, how can one member of the team win while the other one loses? All the sports I ever played, you won together and you lost together. No one person on the team won while everybody else lost. In relationships, you either win together or you lose together. Because you're on the same team. 
And so we should move the issues in our life out from between us and we should lock arms with each other, beside each other, and say the issue is out in front of us and together we're going to figure out how to attack that issue and deal with that thing and come to a conclusion together that is beneficial for both of us so that we both win. Your, your, your home, your dating relationship, your, your engagement, you should be on the same team together. Are you following me this morning? In relationships, it is not me versus you. It is us versus it. There's something we say in our, yeah, there's something we say in our house. Um, we, we always say, um, we're team Floyd. I guess what we say, that's my last name. We're like, we're team Floyd. I don't know if you know that. Some of you may be like, who's Floyd? (laughs) He was the barber on Andy Griffith or a good band that had cool music. If you were high, um, Just saying. Where was I? <laughs> team Floyd. So I always say we're on the same team. I want my kids to understand we're on the same team. So whenever we, we do so, I drive them to school and um, we pray together um, as we're pulling into the parking lot. I don't close my eyes, but we always put, I, I reach my hand back like this and we put our hands together like a team and I'll pray for them and there's a couple things I pray over them. And then I say, all right, one, two, three, and we say, Team Floyd. And it's like, have a great day. And by that time, it's time for them to get out of the car. So we're a team. And so as a team, we either win together, we all win, or we all lose. And so when we find ourselves, if I'm going to be someone that is speaking words that are going to add value, and I'm speaking words that are going to um, build up relationships and have successful and healthy relationships, I've got to speak to solve, not to win. It's true in every relationship in our life, is it not? Some will speak to solve, not to win. Somebody say number two. Okay, I'll give it to you. Speak what needs to be said, not what's easily said. Mm. Speak what needs to be said, not what's easily said. If we're going to be people that have healthy relationships, we can't control the other person, you're just controlling you. You can speak what needs to be said, not what's easily said. You know, most of us in our relationships, we want to hear what is easily said, right? We only want to hear what we're doing great. We only want, it, we only want people in our lives that will affirm our bad decisions. Come on, somebody. If we're going to have healthy, growing relationships, because kind of the purpose of a relationship, um, which I'm going to really hit on next week, I'm telling you, you do not want to miss next week. Oh, my goodness. It's probably my favorite message in the series, and we're going to share a story that's going to blow your mind. You don't want to miss it. But one of the purposes of a relationship is that each of you get better. I should make my wife better as a person, and as a person, she should make me better because we're together. And if that's going to happen, then that means that I've got to have conversations about what needs to be said, not just what's easily said. You know what? You need people. I need people in my life. The people that you give the access to, you don't need everybody doing this. Some people think they have permission and they don't. Anybody got those people in their life? They want to tell you a few things about yourself, right? They want to give you a piece of their mind. Next time they do that, just go, no, you need all of your mind you can keep. Don't give me a piece. (laughs) (laughs) but you need some people in your life that accept you and love you but won't approve of you when you're doing things that are harmful to yourself 
when you're making bad decisions. See, we have a misconception in our culture and don't buy into it that acceptance and approval are the same thing. They're not. They're two different things. Well, if you accept me, then you'll approve of my behavior. If you accept me, then you'll approve of every decision I make. If you really accept me, then you'll approve of when I'm running my life off of a cliff. No, I won't. I accept my kids unconditionally. There's nothing they could do that would ever make me love them any less than what I love them right now. But I do not approve. There are some things they could tell me that would break my heart and I would not approve of. But I accept them and love them. Are you following me? You need some people in your life that love you and accept you for who you are, right where you are, but love you so much they don't approve of things in your life that are not healthy and good for you and will be willing to sit down and not just say what's easy but what needs to be said you got to have some of those people in your life so you got to speak to solve not to win you need to speak what needs to be said not what's easily said and let me add this when you speak this you speak truth in love you speak truth in love You don't speak truth as a weapon to hurt people. You speak truth wrapped in love because you want to better people. All right? Are you with me? Let me break it down like this. You are not the Holy Spirit. He's doing His job good all by Himself. Your job is not to change people. But the people that have given you access to this place in their life to speak directly to them, your job is just to say, here's what I think is best, and I love you so much, but I'm not God. Are you following me? You don't wield truth. Unfortunately, on some occasions, the church has wielded truth as a weapon to cut people. You allow the Spirit of God to cut down into the heart of people and change them. You love them and give truth in love. Amen? All right, let's keep moving. Number three. Number three, speak to build up, not tear down. If we're going to be people that communicate in a way in our relationships that lead toward growth and success, then we're going to speak to build up, not to tear down. Uh, Let me say this. This speaks to who a person is. Their attributes, their characteristics, their talents. We speak to build up, not to tear down. If you have a kid in, our, in any of our Kids Point environments, they've been doing this thing called Conflict Kitchen. And one of the memory verses with that resource that we give to parents so that you can sit around the kitchen table and help disciple your kids and help them grow in their faith. One of the verses in there talks about um, that we strive to live at peace with each other and we do everything we can to build one another up and not tear one another down. Let me ask you this. How would it change the relationships in your life if you determine, I can't control everybody else, but I can control me. I can bring the best me to the we that I possibly can. And so I'm going to speak words that build people up, not tear people down. How would it change the relationships in your life? How would it change if you determine, I'm going to be somebody that builds people up. I'm not going to tear people down. I believe, I believe that, that people have enough voices in their life tearing them down. They need some people in their life that will build them up. I just believe that. I don't know about you, but I believe that, that people have enough of that. What if you decided, I'm going to be that person that, that even, if I, even if I've got to like mine, I'm going to find one good thing about them. Y'all with me? I'm going to find one good thing about them, and I'm going to just harp on that. You know, 
I'm going to find one thing. They're honest. There's not much else that I like about them, but they're honest. And so I'm going to focus on their honest and I'm just going to build them up and say, you know what I've noticed about you is you're honest. In any situation, every circumstance, you're honest. I love that about you. If you're honest, that kind of tells me I can trust you because you're honest. I know I'm going to get the right things from you. Y'all ain't talking to me. I'm going to go to this side. I just found out that you're honest. And because you're honest, you have some integrity and character about I just appreciate that about you. I'm going to build you up, not tear you. People say this, well, I'm just going to, I'm going to be the devil advocate. Listen to me. The devil don't need no advocates. Why don't you be a Jesus advocate and build people up and not tear people down? Build people up. People get hell all week. Why don't they run into you who claims to be a follower of Jesus and experience a little bit of heaven on this earth? You do that by building people up. Build people up. Well, pastor, there ain't much nice to say about them. Well, you just look and look and look and look and pray that the Spirit of God gives you revelation about the one good thing about them. And then you focus on that one good thing and you build that up. And who knows if other stuff may not start rising up with it. You build people up. People face hell all week. The devil is loud enough in our minds all week telling us who we're not and what we can't do and what we'll never be and how that mistake keeps us from this and how God's not forgiving and His grace isn't far-reaching and that His mercy... They hear enough negativity, criticism, nasty all week. Why don't you be someone that builds... Why don't you be an advocate for Jesus and build people up and speak words of hope and words of healing into the lives of people? How would it change the relationships around you if you determine, I'm going to build people up, not tear them down? I'm going to build them up, not tear them down. I'm going to build them up. Parents, what would it do to your children if you decided, I'm going to build them up, not tear them down? I'm not going to carry the baggage that I was given and put it on my kids. I'm going to break the cycle and I'm going to build them up. How would that change things? Somebody shout, give us number four. I think I will. Finally, speak life, not death. Speak life, not death. The Bible says that the power of life and death is in the tongue. That doesn't mean that, you know, you can go say something to someone and they're going to fall over dead. Some of you were hopeful for a minute. You're like, I can't wait to get to work tomorrow. In the name of Jesus, the Bible says. (laughs) But how many of you know that death can be, how many of you know that death can be in the tongue? How many of you know that, that dreams can be killed because of what someone says? How many of you know that faith can be killed because of what someone says? There's death in your mouth. There's death in your mouth. There's also life. Building people up, not tearing them down, speaks to the person. Speaking life, not death, speaks to their potential. Building them up, not tearing them down, speaks to the person, their characteristics, their attributes, their talents. Speaking life and not death speaks to their potential. 
How would it change the relationships you're in if you determine I'm going to speak life, not death? I'm going to speak to what they are not yet, but what I see they can become. How would it change the relationships in your life? I told you on the way to school that um, when I take them, a couple days a week I end up taking the kids. And one of the things that we do is we pray together. And so then we do Team Floyd. And then I always ask them this. I say, um, what are you today? And they say, we're leaders. Not that enthusiastically usually. They're like, we're leaders. <laughs> I'm like, what does that mean? That means people are following us today. So if people are following us, following you today, what do you need to do? I need to make good choices. That's right. You need to make good choices today because people follow your example because you're a leader. You know what I'm doing? Speaking life. Speaking life. I'm speaking to their potential because they are going to lead something one day. They're going to change the world. God's going to use them in ways that will blow your mind and blow my mind. They'll do more than I ever dreamed or imagined I could accomplish in my lifetime. And I'm going to speak to that potential. I'm going to call that thing out of them. Even when they're eight and five and nobody may see it, I'm going to call it out of them. When I speak life, I call things out of people that people may not see in themselves. I, I want to call things out of my kids. I want to call things out of my spouse that my spouse may not even see in herself all by herself. I want to call, I want to speak life, not death. How would it change your relationships if you determine I'm going to be one that speaks life? I'm going to speak to people's potential. I'm going to see, I'm going to have eyes. I'm going to pray God even give me eyes of revelation to see things things in the lives of people that maybe nobody else sees so that I can call that out of them and speak life into them and not death into them. I'm going to speak good things. I'm going to see their potential. Let me ask you this. How many of you, you may be in a relationship right now and you may think, pastor, but you don't know my spouse. You don't know my husband. You don't know my wife. You don't know, you know what their issues are. But what if you just said, you know what? I'm going to be one that speaks life. They may not be the leader that they need to be yet, but I'm going to start calling that out of them. They may not be the provider they need to be yet, but I'm going to start calling that out of them. They may, may not be the, the dad that they need to be yet, but I'm going to start calling. What if? How would it change the dynamic of your home, ladies, if you just started saying, I see you as a man of God. I see you as a leader of this house. I see you as a great dad. I see you as a great provider. And you started calling potential out of them. How would it change things in your life? Let me ask you this on the flip side. How's it working for you to walk around going, you ain't much of a dad, death. You ain't much of a husband, death. You ain't much of a provider, death. I would guess you're getting exactly what your words are saying. If you want something different, start saying something different. The power of life and death is in the tongue. So four things, four things we should be speaking. We should be speaking. But there's a problem. You know what the problem is? It was in what we read earlier. James said, no man can tame the tongue. That's a problem. It's kind of like I gave you four things you can't do. God bless you. Have a great week. <laughs> He said, no man can tame the tongue. But look what he goes on to tell us in the text. In verse 9, and we'll wrap up with this. 
With the tongue, we praise our Lord and our Father. And with it, we curse men who have been made in, his, in God's likeness. Is that not true, right? You know, we're singing in here. We may curse somebody out on the interstate. <laughs> out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. Listen to this. My brothers, this should not be. James is saying... This isn't the way it should go down. This is not what God has designed you for. This is not God's intention for you as it relates to your words. It's not the way he wants it to go down. And then he gives us some analogies. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? The obvious answer is no, can't. He gives us another analogy. My brothers, can a fig tree bear olives no or a grapevine bear figs the obvious answer is no neither can a salt spring produce fresh water neither can a salt spring produce fresh water did you catch this neither can both types of communication flow out of the same mouth So what is James telling us? If no man can tame the tongue, but it shouldn't be this way that we talk out of both sides of our mouth, what is he trying to let us know? I believe he's letting us know that it doesn't have to be that way in our life because of something that is inside of us. Because there is a river of living water that flows from the inside of us. See, what I say should flow or reflect who I am over what I feel. Well, who am I? Who am I? Who am I? That's what James is getting at. It shouldn't be this way because you're not a salt spring. You're fresh water. You're not a salt spring. You're fresh water. And how can salt be in a fresh water? It It just can't happen. What James is saying is it shouldn't be this way, brothers, because that's not who you are. Well, who are you? Well, if you've placed your faith in Jesus, you're a child of God. If you've placed your faith with Jesus, you've been given this power on the inside called the Holy Spirit that is empowering you. Although no man can tame a tongue, the Spirit of God can tame a tongue. Although no man has the discipline to get a hold of his words, the Spirit of God living on the inside of us and empowering us has the power to discipline us. So what I say should flow out of who I am, not what I feel. Does it mean that I don't feel some things sometimes? No, I do. I feel like speaking out of anger sometimes. I feel like speaking negativity sometimes. I feel like speaking critical things sometimes. But it's not who I am. And so I have to step back and go, no, 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 that ain't who I am. I am who I am is a son of God who you are is a daughter of God who you are is that you've been filled with the spirit of God and because the spirit of God is on the inside of you he is empowering you to speak life into people he's empowering you to build up and not tear down he's empowering you to solve and not win he's empowering you to speak what needs to be said not what's easily said it's that's because that is who you are it's who you are don't let the voice of the enemy 
enemy tell you anything different. Don't let the voice of the enemy tell you that you're anything other than who God says you are. But because who God says you are is who you really are. And so let the words that flow out of your mouth flow from the place of who you are in Christ. It's who you are. It's who you are. It may have been who you were to speak the other way. But it's not who you are now. If you've ever been shopping with a, a lady, at some point throughout the hours, she'll try something on and say, How does this look on me? To which you respond, Wonderful. Just period. Wonderful. Every time. That's the response. It looks good on you, right? It looks good on you. Can I tell you something? When you speak life, it looks good on you. When you speak to build up and not tear down, it looks good on you. It looks like it was tailor-made for you. It looks like you just didn't buy it off the rack, that it got fitted just for you. That it's taken in at all the right places. Fits in the shoulders really good. Looks really good on you. When you speak death, it don't look good on you at all. Because it's not who you are. When you speak words that tear down, it doesn't fit you right. Because it's not who you are. When you say just what is easily said over what needs to be said, it doesn't look good on you because it's not who you are. When you speak just to win but not to solve, it doesn't look good on you because it's just not who you are. What you say should flow and reflect who you are, not just how you feel. So who am I? I'm a son of the great I am. And so may my words, may our words, reflect what he would say. May our communication reflect how he communicates to us. May our lives flow from who we are not just what we feel. Will you pray with me? With every head bowed, every eye closed at all of our locations, I just want to ask you two questions that we often ask at the end of a message. Number one is, what is God saying to you? It's really kind of pointless to come and hear a message and not figure out what God is saying to you. So what's God saying to you? Pastor, I don't know if I know that God speaks to me. He does. It's that still small voice that right now is talking to you. That impression you feel in your heart. What's he saying to you right now? What's he challenging you with? That's how you'll know it's his voice. 
It's the voice that's trying to call you to something greater. And then number two, what are you going to do about it? You know, growth requires change. If you want what you've had, then keep doing what you've been doing. But if you want something different, you've got to change something. And so what are you going to do about what God has said to you?